This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by the Rope Trainer. And as John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. Make sure you check it out today. That's theropetrainer.com. My good friends Earl Perrin, Chris Verna, John Smoltz, uh, just trying to help out with uh, you know saving some of those bullets on that arm. Uh, give them a look today. As I said, uh, I've done the show in the past with Chris Verna. I encourage you to go back if you haven't heard that one and listen to it. Some really interesting information in there about the, the work they've done to uh, – to, to make sure that it, that it will help a little bit there. So um, make sure you check them out, theropetrainer.com. Uh, excited about today's show. Um, I'm going to have a gentleman on today that I've tried to have on in the past, and we didn't uh, – we had some disconnect – like not disconnect that way, but like something came up, had to reschedule, and then another res- – so the bottom line is I've stayed after it because, uh, you know, I'm really impressed with this guy. I know the people that I'm impressed with are impressed with him, and whenever whenever that's going down, that's a pretty good combination for me and what I'm trying to do here. So, uh, and of course, my effort to bring you guys that I think not only are just main influencers within the game of baseball, whether it be youth or, or prep or even older, um, because that's really where we're at now, right? I mean, I always say we're not going to do anything half-assed, right? So what's the difference what age you are? Um, anything worth doing is worth doing right. And we want to make sure that we're doing it for the right reasons, and we want to make sure how we're doing it is correctly so we're not instilling either bad habits or anything that's dangerous. So I'm, I'm always encouraged by guys that are trying to do it right regardless of age. Because, again, I, the, my, 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 my biggest pet peeve in life is when somebody says, well, I don't know why you're doing all this or not going to pros, because I always say, okay, well, then we'll just do this half-ass. Okay, we will just not care what we're doing. We'll just let it, let it be a free-for-all. We won't care about doing the right thing because they're not going to go in the pros. I mean, that is the silliest thing I've ever heard. It's one of my pet peeves. Everybody around me knows, don't ever tell me that a kid's not going to the pros. I know he's not. I, 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 I'll put it this way. I know he probably is not. But again, I'm not a dream crusher, number one. And number two, most of the kids I've met just want to have fun and be the best player they can be. That's why I love the guys that uh, take the time to come on here that really want to help. The guy I'm having on here today, I promise you when I introduce him and you meet him, you're going to be like, wow, he gets it, and he's using his platform to help other people. That's what I'm always looking for here, and I hope I bring it to you, and I hope you enjoy it. Before we get to him, though, I want to remind you to check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com. It's our website. It's where you can listen to the current show. It's also where you can listen to the back episodes, and let me tell you, I appreciate each and every one of you that are new to the show because – I say this every week. I, it blows me away. We've been doing the show now three years. There are still people listening to the first show I ever did. And I, I you know, and, and it's not like one or two. I mean, it's lots of people listening to the first one I did every which tells me there's people finding us. We, we know it. We can tell by the numbers. New people are finding us, and they're basically binge listening. And thank you. And please stay with us and, and, and just follow us along as we get to more and more people. The, the amazing thing about youth base, baseball is there's no shortage of people that are involved in this game. And we're going to keep bringing you different opinions and different thoughts. But, again, if I can continue to bring you some of these really good people within the game of baseball, I think it's worth your entertainment time. Uh, again, the other thing you can do there is subscribe to the show, which is absolutely free. You'll get a notification on your mobile device each time the show is released. 
Uh, it's absolutely easy to do. Like I said, it is free, and you just simply click subscribe to the podcast. We love to get engaged a little bit on social media. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We are at Podcast Baseball. Twitter's a tough one. I, I know it's clogged, and I know we post some things sometimes. People are like, I never saw it. Well, same thing, because I've said this all along. If you're involved in the game of baseball, we're going to follow you back. So we follow a ton of people. A ton of people follow us. Please, if you need to get a hold of us, just direct message me. Send me an email, info at Jim at Youth Baseball Talk. Happy to be a part of uh, your discussion. And, again, if you have a question for one of our influencers, if you have a question for me, happy to try to answer it. But that's info at youthbaseballtalk.com. Find us there as well. Uh, Facebook, love Facebook. Simply type in Youth Baseball Talk. Uh, special thanks to lineupmedia.fm, the fastest-growing podcast company on the planet. We're happy to be a part of what they're doing. Uh, again, you want to listen to what you want to listen to, how you want to listen to it, and more importantly, when you listen to it. You know, rides home from work, you get stuck in traffic, put the kids to bed, you want a little time to yourself. Uh, again, that's the beautiful thing about podcasting. You can listen to it when you have the time. And it'll always be there for you, so you can you know split it up, whatever you want to do. Uh, don't forget, lineupmedia.fm. Okay. Let's get right to it today. Um, you know I'm going to have uh, the normal guys on. You know, you're going to hear from Justin. You're going to hear from Rick. Um, you're going to hear from, from my buddy Kurt McNabb up with Dirtbag Baseball Nation with his Rope Report. Um, great guys that I love having on. Uh, again, you've heard me mention this a thousand times over. The show is about the guys that I bring on here that, they're, that are knee-deep in it. They're involved in it every day. They've probably dealt with every situation that's going to go through your mind if you're new to this. If you, you know, if you're that parent, and you're eight, your kid's eight years old, and you're like, "Oh my God, what I get into?" Or do I do this? Do I not do this? If I do do it, how do I do it right? All the questions that are going through your mind if you're new. All the questions that are going through your mind if you've had a bad experience. All the questions that are going through your mind if you find yourself in a great situation and you just want to keep getting better. And if you've got a kid that that seems like he loves it. All the questions that you could possibly uh, have, I feel like some of the guys that I've been fortunate enough to interview have answers for you. Now, the ones that I really appreciate are the ones that say, you know what, I don't have an answer for you, but let's try to figure it out together. You know, my, my friend Darren Hendrickson from SLU, everybody's heard him on here multiple times. I think he's told you a thousand times over. If anybody ever tells you they've got this thing exactly figured out and if you just do this, it's all going to work itself out, turn around and run because we don't know for sure anything. All we can do is try to do the right things and keep working, add a little fun into this thing, let the kids be kids, and just let the process take care of itself. Try to enjoy it along the way and remember that at the end of the day it's a family decision. So that's why I'm excited about today's guest. Um, you would find this gentleman uh, on a lot of social media sites, a lot of people – uh, care what he thinks. I know I care what he thinks. And as I mentioned earlier, the people that I think a lot of think a lot of him. So let me welcome in Lance Wheeler from the baseball think tank. What's going on, Lance? Hey, Jim, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm actually babysitting my two-year-old. So what a great way to talk to you when I've got a two-year-old running around naked chasing the dog. Well, most of my baseball coaches <laughs> that are listening would tell you that they feel like babysitters. So I think we're all good, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, um, I'm, I'm excited to have you on. I know we've tried to do this a couple other times, and you're a busy guy, and things come up. Life comes up, right? Like you just mentioned, you got got young kids, as most people do. But Man, I love the stuff that you do. I love the fact that you're willing to engage in conversation with people. And at the end of the day, man, I think it's absolutely awesome that, you know, you're willing to take your time to come on shows like this and really share with people a multiple, to, a, a multiple amount of things, you know, basically what you do and what you try to do. 
but more importantly, the, you know, you're you're helping spread knowledge. And then you also have some thoughts about youth baseball that I'm interested in. But why don't we first tell our listeners a little bit about Baseball Think Tank and really, at the end of the day, what you're passionate about and what you do. Oh, yeah. First off, I appreciate you having me on the show. Love what you do. With Baseball Think Tank, it was actually an accident. It wasn't meant to be a business. I was coaching college baseball and I'd gotten out of it to, to work on the pro side. And I had said, you know what? I think it would be pretty cool just to kind of share what I'm doing and some of my buddies in, in college baseball. And so started writing a couple of emails and a couple of blog posts. And the next thing I know, I'm like, holy crap, people actually are following this. So the original idea for Baseball Think Tank, hence the name, was uh, – just to bring on other guys that I felt like really understood it and were passionate about it and just kind of shared the message. And that's kind of how baseball think tank was created. Well, I, I know this, like when you're, when you're trying to find information on social media, or if you're trying to just find information on the web, there's no shortage of it. Like you can type in anything and find stuff for it. What I like about baseball think tank is it's actually that we're going to put some stuff on here. We're going to, you know, you, you allow other people to post and, and do things as long as they're in it for the right reasons. And I always say knowledge is the greatest thing you can have. It's strength. But at the end of the day, especially for the things that might be wrong, we're not going to fix them if we don't talk about them. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about Core Velocity. I know it's going to be hard for anybody to Google you, and I encourage, like I do every show, right, I tell everybody, um, if you want to follow along, uh, I encourage you go just simply type in BaseballThinkTank.com, okay? Type that in. You can learn a little bit about Lance Wheeler, who he is, what he, what he does. Uh, I love right when you get on the site, trust what you feel, um, because I think, you know, people say, okay, trust what you feel. But I think too often in in baseball training, in soccer training, and any type of training, sometimes that gets lost. Like I think we ask kids to do things that make no sense, things that they don't understand, and do this. I like this statement. So tell us a little bit more about core velocity and what it is exactly you're trying to do. Uh, with core velocity belt, that was uh, another. It was just a product that was created by accident, where I was a volunteer at Lipscomb University. My poor daughter, who was carried around from bus to bus, and every field she actually hates baseball because, <laughs> because of me. Uh, simply because it was a job, it was something she had to do. But one day we were, I was doing lessons in the gym, and she ties around Alan Jager's uh, wrist, just his, his tubing, and she was small enough that she ties her waist on a basketball court with her socks on, and she backs up and she scoots back and she just drops to the floor and she has water scan something. And it's perfect. There's a babysitter for the next hour or so. Well, about 45 minutes later, I just hear her start to yell and I look up and I'm like, oh my God, I can sit in slow motion. She just pop, smashes into the wall. I'm thinking, holy crap, my daughter's dead. Halfway down there, it hits me. This would be perfect for pitchers. So we go out to Walmart and we get a back support uh, sewing it. My wife like Snow White. She's blowing up sewing machine after sewing machine. About 10 years it took us to get it right, but it's actually just a device that teaches players how to feel the middle of their body, and I think that's the problem with so many kids is they can't feel. Uh, they have a, they have a trouble feeling the center of their body, which is involved in baseball. That's it. Uh, you, you can prove that I have the two-year-old right here with me. Hey, you're all good, my <laughs> but, uh, man. But with, with the core velocity belt, what it, what it is, it's just to teach a player how to feel the center of their body. And you think about baseball, it's a rotational sport. I can't swing a bat. I can't throw a pitch. I can't steal a base. 
I can't sit the bench unless it's I'm able to utilize my hips efficiently. And that's something that's just really hard to describe. So what the, the core velocity belt, everybody asks me, what does that do? What it does, in my opinion, is it just gives the player a sense of how to use the center of their body and how to work it. And once it's amazing, once a player can feel what you're trying to say, what you're just how they start to take off because so much of what you see in poor mechanics or in coaching is just a lack of understanding. There's that, there's that gap between knowing and understanding and, and being able to communicate. And I think that's where feel comes into play. And one that really taught me a lot about feel was Tony Robichaux at Lafayette. If you haven't heard him speak, I would highly recommend, but he's really, really good at that. But I once, I'll put it this way. If you had five teams all from foreign countries, they had no idea what hot meant. Well, it's hot. Well, what do most people do? They're going to yell it louder. Well, the kid doesn't have a problem. He has a problem understanding what you're trying to say. So if I were to bring a hot stove in and they were to see it, the red flame, and every kid went up and touched it, no matter what language they spoke, no matter what cue they come up with, everybody in the room would understand what hot meant once they touched it and they were able to feel it. So that's really the basis of core velocity, but it's, it's just teaching them how to feel the center of their body and once their body understands how to utilize that center, well, it's amazing how the body just starts to become its own coach. You know, that, that trust what you feel means a lot to me as a, as, a, as a coach that feels like, admittedly, I think when I first started doing this, and I, and I say this all the time, I think I went through a phase, which I think all coaches do at some juncture, um, where I felt like I might have been turning my kids into robots. And No, I'm not going to say might. I, I was. I wanted them to do this. I wanted them to do it this exact way. And I think over time what I've realized most importantly about all of this is there's an athlete in every kid. Now, to what degree of an athlete is he? Well, it's always debatable, right? But some kids are gifted and they're just extremely athletic and they can do things that other kids can't do. We know that the physicalness of the kid, that like, you know, some of them, it's, it happens sooner for them. They get bigger, stronger, faster, sooner. But really at the end of the day, trying to get these kids to just be athletic I, I feel like, and, and maybe you can expand on this, I, I feel like we coached it out of them for a while, and maybe we're get, getting back to just what you're saying, trust what you feel. Oh, I would totally agree with that. I think more players are unmade versus developed, well, simply because we have this perception, and beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but we've all done it. And I went full circle with it. I look back and I cringe. It's almost like I want to write a letter of apology to some of my former players because I was the same way. And and too often we have this preconception of what a player is supposed to look like or what he's supposed to be. We start to undevelop that kid. We start to unmake him versus develop. And that's a big problem. And it all comes down to me with communication. And I think whenever it comes to feel, there has to be contrast. Uh, I think before I can feel what's right, I have to feel what's wrong. So we, we spend a lot of time with that. If a kid's struggling, let's say, with a fastball location, he's missing the ball high, what we're going to do, we're going to start off throwing the fastball high, and then we're going to bounce the next five so we can really understand the difference between high versus low. And now we have a baseline or a, or a, a point that we can actually feel the difference. And I think that's what really comes down to is contrast becomes the fuel for development. Uh, because they can feel the difference between high versus low or whatever the problem is. Yeah, you know, and again, I, I don't know that uh, that most people, and I say this all the time, I don't know that most coaches, I would say the majority for sure, they don't even realize they're doing it. I, I don't think, I believe this in my heart based off everything I've seen and, you know, what have I seen here in my little neck of the woods, but... But but I un- but I believe it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sample size, right? So... Because, I mean, how much different are things other places? I know, you know, there's certain areas of the country where it's easier to play baseball year-round, and there's certain areas that 
that it's this and that. But the reality of it is it's all sample size, right? So I believe that the majority of the people that are doing things, and I, and I mean this loosely, that are doing it wrong. And when I say wrong, I mean like not understanding what they're doing and why they're doing it. They don't know they're doing it. Like they think they're helping. Like I think a lot of parents that take a strong tact with their kid and try to beat it, not beat, well, some in some cases, but try to beat it into kids and, and yelling at them while games are going on and overcoaching and all this. I believe that the majority of that is them pe- adults thinking this is what I have to do. I totally agree with you. And Alan Jager is a friend of mine. He had asked this question, at what point does a, a parent or a former player put on a hat and the label coach and all of a sudden change what they think that every time they, they point out what is wrong instead of pointing out what is right. And I think that's a big problem is that we focus so many, so much of our time is spent on focus on what the kid's doing wrong versus what's he doing right before a kid could ever, to me, I think potential, if I were to draw a big circle, potential is labeled by his belief. What does a kid believe he can do? That's his self portrait. You can never outrun that self portrait. And I think we kind of scar that self portrait before they ever hang it on the wall. But to me, the potential is just what do they believe? And whenever you're pointing out, you're constantly pointing out what is wrong, telling them this is wrong, this is wrong. Well, they start to focus on the wrong versus the right. Now, all of a sudden, their, their intent becomes to, to get praise from the coach. And now you create almost like a pitching McAddict. These kids are addicted to instruction because they're going from coach to coach or parent to parent, and they really don't know. And every time you ask one coach, you could ask one coach the same, 15 coaches the same question, you're going to get 15 different answers. So I think so much of what you see with kids, number one, they start to hate the game because of that, because they're constantly being put in a fail, fail situation. But number two is they really, they don't believe in themselves. I think that the confidence starts to sink, and then pretty soon it just becomes more of a job, kind of like it, like I had done to my daughter, to where it became a job, and she just felt like she had to do it, not because she loved it, because she was trying to please me, and I think that's the situation with a lot of kids. You know, um, you also, uh, you know, in sharing your knowledge, you've put together an, a great event, which I've never heard anything but amazing things about, called Pitchapalooza. Now, uh, you and I talked a little bit before the show because I was like, okay, how can pitch a palooza help the everyday person? Well, I tell you how it helps. And like after talking to you a little bit, some of the, you know, there's some great coaches that attend this that are out there taking some of the stuff they learn there. And it's not just from you, it's multiple sources. They take what they learn and then they go back and try to, I guess, add it, maybe completely transform whatever it is they take away from pitch blues they go out to all their little sections of the country and they say okay we have you know we've got new stuff that we're learning every day you know we've got a lot of coaches a lot of trainers things like that that listen to the show tell them a little bit about pitch palooza kind of how it came about and if they wanted to look into it what they could expect if they came there oh yeah pitch palooza is 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 a great event in, in my opinion simply because it it's an event that uh let me give you a little bit of backstory first Whenever I was coaching college baseball, I always wanted to go out and pick the brains of what I felt were the best coaches in the country and learn a little bit because you know how it is. The more you learn, the the less you know. And that's kind of where I was. And so each summer I would go out and I would speak to these different coaches. And I thought, well, I'm out of the game now. Why not just have what I feel are the best coaches come in and let's just share our thoughts. So it's more of a celebration of pitching. In that first year, 2013, I believe there were 48 uh attendees and now last year it grew to 250 but it's just it's it's coaches it's strength trainers it's it's now hitting coaches what i feel are the best in the country they come in and and the best part about it is simply 
not everybody agrees. You might have one guy step on stage and tell you why weighted balls are wrong. You might have the next guy behind you tell you why it's right. So it, it really gives you a chance to to pick and choose and open up your mind to new ideas. And and it's for three days. It's actually from it actually starts on Thursday. It ends on Sunday. But the best part about it are the discussions in the hallway. But whenever you've got that many different minds, you've got neurosurgeons, you've got engineers, you've got coaches, you've got trainers. Just the information is is abundant, and it comes from guys that are, are living it, that are doing it, and it really opens your mind and forces you to rethink everything that you're doing. And I think that's what it's all about. It's all about growing and and learning and and taking what you've learned, what's wrong this year, and, and trying to add something to it. So that's that's really what Pitchapalooza is all about. It's just a celebration of of ideas from some of the top minds in the game. And for the listeners out there that might be interested, like, you know, especially our coaches and trainers out there that may want to take an opportunity to come learn something like that, would that be as simple as going to your website? And is the information on there? Yeah, you can find that. You can go into baseballthinktank.com. At the top of the menu, you'll see Palooza. Um, And so it'll be baseballthinktank.com backslash Palooza17. That's the number 17. It's all one word, Palooza17. And then for parents that – and I always tell this, too, is it for parents? Actually, it's, it's, it was more designed for, for coaches, and that's what you're going to see. We've had, I think, 17 Major League Baseball organizations already signed up, and there will be close to 100, 150 college programs and high schools and instructors from all over the country. But also the video. We offer a video, and I like that best simply because I've watched the thing five or six times where you can just watch it from the house, and, and that's another option that the parents might have if, if they don't decide to attend. So for our listeners out there, I notice when you go to your website – um, it says member login. Like, what uh-huh. what exactly can parents, uh, coaches, anything? Uh, how exactly can they use Baseball Think Tank to their advantage? Uh, well, we've got several different courses, different products on there. Uh, anywhere from how to throw a curveball to long pass programs to the core velocity belt, and uh, that, that's where it's all housed is, is within that member login, where you get access to the courses. But with Baseball Think Tank, I'm really expanding that and, and trying to get guys that are passionate about the game to post articles, to share products, share ideas. And, again, it's just on Henson Baseball Think Tank. I want to, to find the best minds, bring them all together, and that's, that's the direction that we're headed once again with Baseball Think Tank. You know, um, something that you had said, and this is where I really appreciate guys like yourself. I mean, everybody finds themselves within this game of baseball at a at some sort of crossroads. Now, I'm not saying it's always a tough crossroad, but, you know, you take a guy like yourself, for example, you know, you've dedicated yourself to this, you're learning, you're, you're you, you know, and, and this is what I appreciate the most about guys like yourself, and you've already mentioned it. You know, here you are, a guy that tons of people come to hear speak, but yet you're talking about, if you ever get a chance, I'd love to hear this guy speak. So, I, I always say it's never a surprise when you go to a convention, a coach's convention, and you see some of the better coaches, how what they're doing in the audience. They're taking notes, they're recording, they're, they're highlighting things, they're doing this. Those are guys that are tops at what they do, and yet they're trying to continually to get better. Um, but what I love is you can go to the other end of the spectrum because, you know, we think of baseball. The first thing, you know, we think of how does it apply to my life. So for me personally, I think, okay, I'm kind of past the youth stage. Now I'm into the prep stage with one kid and then the collegiate stage with another. And then I have my own fandom, right? And then I have Major League Baseball that I love and things like that. But for some people, it goes the other way. So there's some guys that are doing this. And now, like you said, you know, here I am knee deep in, you know, you're about to be knee deep in the youth part. I mean, you just mentioned all of our listeners. You're sitting here with a two-year-old running around the house. And 
uh, you said he's naked, but for all we know, he's got a baseball in one hand and a bat in the other, right? So, <laughs> well, so my point that's is, a right. guy like you that's knee deep in this thing, um, we see things in youth baseball, and we see a lot of great things. And I, you know, and the the the, the conversation is pretty consistent with most guys that are doing this for a living and, and at a high level, as I described, like yourself and the Paul Reddicks of the world and the Justin Stones and the Kevin Wilsons and Zan Barks, all these great people that are involved in this as they go through fatherhood with this. I know it also is painful sometimes for guys that spend their life dedicated to this learning. It's what they do to see some of the things that go on in youth baseball. I don't, you know, I don't know how knee deep you've been into the game of youth baseball yourself personally, but you've had to have heard some horror stories. What is your general thought of where we're at and where you'd like to see it go? Oh man, what a great! That's question. a loaded question too, isn't it? Is that loaded? Hours. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great one. That's a great one because actually, my little boy, this is his first time actually doing it. My little girl, she played as well too. And just to let you guys know, she was my favorite to watch. We get her this glove. She's playing third base. Put her on the hot corner. Look over, and she's staring into the dugout. I had just given him a roll of gum. It's that one that looks almost like a tobacco can, like a dip can. And the ball is just smashed, and she never sees it. My little boy, he's playing shortstop. He bumps into her, knocks her down. So that's the perfect visualization of my two kids. I've got one that thinks she's a unicorn. The other thinks he plays for the Cubs. So she comes back into the dugout, and I'm like, Ridge, why didn't you Why didn't you try to catch that ball, babe? She goes, Dad, I need a bigger glove. I can't fit my gum in my hand in this glove. So she had the gum in her in her <laughs> glove, and she was holding the glove. So there's my story with youth baseball. But with, uh, with youth baseball, I think so much of it is – it goes back to what you said. We just we tend to overcoach. We've got to make it fun first. At the early ages, I think instruction – to me, my boy is seven years old. He's never received one instruction. He probably won't till he's 10. It's all about praising the intent and not the results, simply because I want him focused on the process. I want him under first. I want to build the love for the game, too. I want to put him in a win-win situation. But without that love, without making it fun, it's just not going to matter. And I, I see all these, these parents that are looking out for their kid but, and believing that, hey, he needs to play, he needs to get a head start. But really, you don't. It's, it's about that father-son relationship early. It's about building a love for the game. And once they've got that love for the game, then it's just kind of letting go. But I think with the instruction, too often we're over-coaching, and, and you start to see that in their movement patterns, their mechanics. And any time that a player is unsure through communication of what to do, it's going to appear in that movement. So I think that it shows up a lot in the mechanics. Like you take Bartolo Colon. It's a great story, one of my favorites. You notice if everybody can picture how he throws, he almost short arms the ball. Well, most guys, you see that, you're going to try to change that. But without knowing the backstory, he grew up in a poor family in the Dominican Republic, and one of his jobs was to provide food for the family. So he goes out each day, and he had the responsibility of knocking coconuts out of the tree. So you can imagine picking up a rock, looking up at a tree, and trying to knock a coconut out. Well, number one, you're going to have to have that short arm action. You're not going to be able to throw the ball sidearm because it's never going to make it. But number two, you have to throw the ball hard enough with some command to knock the tree down. So hence the arm action. So really it comes down to three things for me. Inputs become outputs. So what you say matters. Intentions beget action. So whatever he's trying to do, I think it's, you've got to make it very clear with the kid. Asking questions to me is the number one responsibility of any coach or any parent because unless you understand what he's trying to do you may think you're on the same page but you're two totally different pages and then finally form follows function 
So that's what you see with Barcelona. I don't think we spend enough time asking questions. I think we have this preconceived idea of what he's supposed to do. There's that misunderstanding that happens, and you start to compound that effect by playing over and over with multiple coaches, and suddenly that becomes a problem. And then when you start to get on the ability side or the throwing side with the pitch counts and the crazy things that's going on, it's just it's a recipe for disaster. You know, um, it, it's, it's, it's refreshing to hear, again, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to try to say that it's refreshing because it's like-minded. Okay. Because then I think, okay, we're trying to conform people to something they may not believe in, but if you're really going to do this, and again, I, it, it doesn't matter what facet of the game. The bottom line is, is if somebody come and tried to help, if Ozzie Smith showed up at my practice tomorrow and wanted to help me. And I said, what do you want to do Ozzie? And he said, well, I'd like to work with the infielders if you don't mind. Would I say no? <laughs> I mean, would I say no? I, I w- no, I wouldn't. I'd be silly not to. But sometimes I think coaches get so defensive and feel like they have to almost defend the fact that they're a good coach that they don't want to accept that, hey, there might be a better way. There is. A, I say this all the time. People always say, well, Jim, what are you for? Are you for development or winning? And I say both. Throw a little fun no, in there, too. And, and, and then you got my mantra. I want to have some fun. I want to develop them. And you're darn right I want to win. Who doesn't want to win? No, Quentin, I think that, too, you've got to think with the end in mind. What is, what is winning? Is it winning right now or is it winning down the road? And uh, Too often, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the mantra of win right now. It's, it's winning the 10-year-old state championship. But what that does is, is later in life, you're, you're sacrificing now for what's later. So I always encourage parents to think with the end in mind. For example, you think about arm action, very, very important. But arm action evolves from the different positions. A guy that plays shortstop requires a different arm action from a catcher, from an outfielder. Then you see a lot of the left-handers that have the, the passive overhand that, hey, they don't throw as hard as right-handers. Well, why not? Well, because they've been stuck at first base, and their job most time is to flip the ball back to the pitcher. So does that help in winning right now because that's the best position? Or would it be best for me to put the left-hander in the outfield or put him at shortstop at an early age just to start to create some better, more athletic movement patterns that will benefit him as a pitcher or a first baseman later in life? Wow, I've never thought about that. You know, it's always interesting how some of the cool conversations turn back to what we do with kids because we don't think outside the box. I always say one of the coolest things I ever heard was – the shortstop from Missouri State, Joey Hawkins, do a, a, a at the convention, uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago, they had asked him the difference between Missouri State, where he was a tremendous defensive shortstop, and uh, when he was playing rookie ball for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he said, oh, we were way better defensively at Missouri State. And I think everybody thought he was crazy. They're like, well, you're a professional now. And he said, I don't think people realize how much attention to detail we played. He goes, do you know that our first baseman, our outfielders, everybody played short in practice? And it was because we wanted them to move like an athlete and learn how to throw the ball with intent, move their body in a position to make a play. And he goes, he goes, imagine your first baseman being able to play short. He goes, now what I get is I get third string catchers, guys coming off rehab, guys that have sore arms, they're all playing first base. <laughs> he goes, so what do you, how do you <laughs> think the defense <laughs> is? So it was good. See, it's the perception of what we're doing and why we're doing it. You know, I, I had an interesting question the other day from a guy that said, Jim, I w- I've listened to your show a bunch, and this is the last thing I'll have for you as we're up against time, but, you know, 
I'm, if you've ever listened to the show before, for the people that have followed it, here I go again. I'm going to tell you my number one problem with youth baseball and where I think we're the – I know that uh, Jeff Passan wrote a book. I know that in his book he, he, he doesn't necessarily blame it on perfect game, but he, he basically says he thinks perfect game's to blame for all the, all the arm injuries. And he doesn't – like there's other things, but I'm telling you that the number one problem, guys – is when you pitch a kid on Saturday for three innings and three or four innings on Sunday. It is the number one problem. It is the number one problem because here's the deal. You don't just do it once. It's a plan, and it's what you do. And you can convince yourself that it's okay all you want. You can tell yourself how he's effortless, effortlessly throwing for three innings and, and not your guy. Your guy only threw 25 pitches in three innings, and he's available the next day because the only th- it's rest, guys. It's rest, 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 and there's no reason to overthrow him at that age. So I had a guy ask me the other day. He said, "Jim, okay, I, I you know, I, you know, he's a local guy. He says I, you had a good team. So what did you do? You, you won a lot. So what did you do?" I said, "Okay, here's what I did." Because he asked me, he goes, "Okay, so you're guaranteed three games. Do you start your three? St-? And I said, "No, because I want to win too. I look at who I'm playing, and on Saturday in pool play." I would start a guy that I felt like could throw strikes, and I'd let him go as long as he could. And then my other game, I would throw all my pitchers one inning. And then they could pitch the next day. But if any of them pitched two innings, they could not pitch the next day. Or if they threw a bunch of pitches in their one inning, they could not pitch the Well, how did you win? I said, sometimes we didn't. <laughs> or, more of that mentality. or sometimes, sometimes... I had to pitch a couple guys in the semifinals and championship games that were down on my depth chart, and guess what? Sometimes they surprised me and themselves and their parents and everybody else, and sometimes they went out and did exactly why they're our sixth or seventh pitcher, and we won some games with our bats, we won some games with our defense, and like you'd expect, we lost some games. And guess what? We're all still here. (laughs) Nobody's sitting in a corner, you know, that, that needs psychiatric help. Because they're scarred from it, and we've and and now that my older son is 19 and in college playing, I've asked him this, and again, this is another thing I say that I'm sure people are tired of, and I've asked my now 15 year old who's a sophomore in high school, they don't remember what they won when they were a kid. They remember the great experiences. The problem is, I'm very sure in the back of their mind, even though they don't want to admit it to their father, they also probably remember a few of the bad things. No question. I, I don't know. I, I, your thoughts on the rest when it comes to the kids in pitching? Uh, to me, I think uh, it goes back to what I always viewed those three. To me, those are my three laws. Inputs become outputs. Intentions beget actions. And form follows function. But whenever we think about the inputs, when we think about rest, a lot of people think about it from the physical side, too. But let's just say that you had a kid that threw two pitches. He goes out with his friend all night. He stays all night. They go swimming. They drink. Kool-Aid all night, they eat Twinkies, and then they, they haven't been to bed yet, and they, they show up at 2 o'clock and he's scheduled to pitch. Well, he may have only thrown two pitches. He may have thrown 30 pitches, but it doesn't matter. There's so many other variables inside that question besides actual pitch counts. How much sleep did he get? How well is he eating? How stressful is the game? Because the body responds to stress to stress, whether I'm through 200 pitches or my girlfriend just broke up with me. It's going to treat stress the same way, so I think that's something in consideration. Another part of that is how much does the kid throw? Because I look at it like throwing is Spanish one, pitching is Spanish two. Throwing is a building up process. Pitching is a tearing down process. So there's just so many variables to that question. But I think, in my honest opinion, 
I believe that rest, it's more about recovery. Recovery is the most important part of the game, and I think that's where so many kids are lacking, and it's something that we don't pay attention to. And when we do think about recovery, we always try to put a number to it rather than actually knowing the kid. What's going on in his life? What's going on last night? What's going on yesterday? How big is the game? And too often we just put that number. We think, hey, let's go. He's all right to go here. We don't really think about all the other variables in that. But in my opinion, I think that I would I would do it exactly like how you said. There would be that one day, and then he would be done for the day because often it's that second day where all the stress starts to accumulate, and often it's an injury that doesn't appear that day that shows up a month from now, two months from now, and that's where it can be traced back to. So I'm right on with, with your thinking there is that I would throw him just on that one day, and he would be done. You know what's interesting is, and not in a bad way, but I will get some people that will say, you know, Jim, I listened to your interview with Lance. I love everything you said. But, you know, I was listening to Lance talk, and, you know, he was talking about what did they do that night? What did they do? How are we supposed to track all that? And then they would say, Jim, they're, they're kids. I mean, it, it, and I would say, you're right. They're kids. So why would you push it? It doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me. You don't know. I, I always tell them. I say, no, you're right. They're, you're right. They are kids. They're not professionals. And and Darren Hendrickson says it the best. I, again, here's a guy who gets it. Who's in a, he's a Division One baseball coach. The guy is around Major League Baseball teams every day. He throws batting practice for the Cardinals. So I laugh all the time when I say, you know, I'm I'm talking to my buddy next to me about his thoughts. But when he's got a question, he goes and asks Tony Larusa or Dave Duncan or Mike Matheny. So, you know, uh, for their opinion. But you know, here's a guy, and he said it best. Okay, he said, Jim, I'm a Division One baseball coach. I have some of the top athletes in the country, okay? Number two, I am around the best, the best baseball players on the planet. They are in the most unbelievable physical shape. This is their job. They were almost bred to do this, okay? This is, he goes, it's not even remotely close, okay? Neither do I nor them ask a grown man at the top of what he does who trains for this Day in and day out. They don't ask him to throw three innings one day and three innings the next. Why would you ask a 9- or 10-year-old to do so? And I want everybody to stop and think about that. You know, I I, I don't know. It's just crazy. And then you start to look at that age, and when they start to move up to 12 and 13 with the growth plate issues, it's just it blows me away that we think that they're physically capable or even emotionally capable of doing something like that. It's just, to me, it all comes back to, to thinking with the end in mind. But to answer your question, and you're right on, because I've had that same question too, hey, these are kids. How do we know? I think as your coach, that's your number one responsibility is getting to know your kids. If you if you don't know your kids, how are you really coaching those guys? Because coaching is, is all about communicating. If you can't communicate, if your idea or concept of coaching is just a number, and now you're just putting numbers on these kids, you're missing the boat. Well, again, I it, it's it's at the end of the day. What are you trying to get out of this, and what um, what are you really trying to accomplish, and what do you hope to be? And again, I I don't expect it to be a, a, a standard answer for everybody. You know, I mean, it's like anything else in life. You kind of get out of it what you put in, and you can kind of move forward from there. But you know, it's with guys like you, Lance. If we can keep getting guys like you on the show, talking, spreading the message. Maybe we can make a difference, man. That's that's it at the end of the day. And, and I, when I say a difference, I mean maybe we can make a difference in how we do what we do. But at the same time, with what you're doing, with, with helping kids be the best players they can be as well, that's just as important. Because like I say, people want to make it. Is it development? Is it winning? No, it's both. 
It is. It's both. There's nothing wrong with winning. There's nothing wrong with a kid wanting to play in the major leagues. There's nothing wrong with a kid just wanting to be the best player he can be. Sometimes he just wants to make his high school team. Sometimes he just wants to pitch in a meaningful game in high school. It doesn't matter what it is. There's nothing wrong with a kid dedicating himself to something. I don't know why we look at that as bad sometimes. But with guys like you, you know, the, the, the Paul Reddicks of the world, you know, the Justin Stones, the Rick Stricklands, I mean, we're going to get there, man. I promise you we're going to get there. Well, man, your show is, is awesome, and I just appreciate you having me on here, Jim. We need more guys like you. It, just your focus on youth and what you're seeing the message you're spreading is just so powerful that I'm just happy to be a part of it. Well, again, thank you for coming on. Like I said, I, I know we, we danced around a couple dates that, you know, I, I, had a, I think I had an equipment issue one time and you had something pop up the other. But, man, I tell you what, you're welcome on the show anytime. Um, I'd like to stay in contact with you and just have you jump on from time to time. And as you navigate yourself into this world of, of youth baseball, for sure now, as a, and I don't know if you'll jump in that dugout or if you'll sit in the stands, but either way, I'd love to get your thoughts from time to time. Oh, I'd love to be a part of anything I can do. Uh, I'm here. But, yeah, I'm excited about the path I've got with my little boy, and, and luckily I've learned how not to do it, and that's probably the biggest lesson I'm going to try to apply is not making the same mistake twice. All right, brother. Thanks for coming on, man, and we'll stay in touch, and uh, we'll just, uh, like I said, we'll just make you come on from time to time and give us a little blow-by-blow blow of how it's going for you. Sound good? That'd be awesome. Sounds All right, great. man. Thank hey, you, Jim. No, thank you. That's Lance Wheeler, Baseball Think Tank. Again, BaseballThinkTank.com, I'm telling you, just another guy that gets it, another guy that's here to help. Um, and again, that's whether it's purely trying to get better um, from a physical standpoint of what you're trying to do. Another guy that can help you kind of understand what we're trying to do, um, a sharer of knowledge, which I think at the end of the day is what's going to make this thing go. Uh, but, but again, let's just, you know, if we can get there and if we can try to make things better for everybody, let's, let's at least listen to what some of these guys have to say. And heck, you never know. We may learn something along the way. I say it all the time. Uh, it's not every day that I realize I've learned something. It's that every day I realize how stupid I really am. So uh, thanks to Lance Wheeler for being on, and, and we do. We greatly appreciate him. Um, Going to come back here in just a bit. Got our first uh, segment, Rope Report, from uh, Kurt McNabb, gentleman with Dirtbag Baseball Nation, does a great job sharing everything he's learned from the theropetrainer.com. Uh, let's take a listen to what Kirk's got for us today. I'm always excited. As I don't know that you'll find a gentleman more excited about what he's doing and passionate, but uh, I'm interested to hear what he's got to say today. Parent and coach development. Get with the program, everybody. Well, Dirtbags, another week in the books, and we can't thank all of you enough for contacting us this week to discuss last week's rope report on stress and injuries. It's always great hearing from our listeners, friends, and members of Dirtbag Baseball Nation about wanting to learn more about the rope trainer as well as how we train our pitchers and throwing in general. You're starting to understand now that whether you're a player, a coach, a parent, and even as an entire association, you have to be working with a throwing program that teaches you mentally as well as physically. If you're just doing a physical throwing or pitching program, you're just going to continue to gain short-term or minimal success and never ever learn how to achieve sustainable long-term success that I always talk about. Not only will you never gain long-term success, but you will also continue to have arm issues and never have a chance to reach your full potential as a pitcher or even throwing potential as a positional player because you're not learning what needs to be done using your entire body to throw properly and effectively. This is not only disappointing to me, but it's flat-out insanity. 
This week's episode of The Rope Report is for parents and coaches at the amateur level. I need you all to get your thinking caps on and get dirty with me. Again, as always, I don't have enough time to really go too deep, unfortunately, and that's why you can always contact me, Kirk McNabb, at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com to discuss all things pitching and throwing in more detail. What we've recognized here over the years is that we always focus or use the term player development. But who are the people doing the player development at the amateur level? It's parents and coaches. So player development needs to be parent and coach development at this level because it's them and you who are doing the teaching. And if you don't understand it mentally and physically how to train your players, then what chance do they have of being long-term successful or injury-free? That's correct. They have zero chance. That's why we value and created a program on developing the parents and coaches as well as the players. Why will we do this? Or why do we believe in this? This is why. Even though we train players weekly, they spend way more time with their parents and coaches weekly. If you as a parent and coach don't understand what we're training them to do in order to continue to help and monitor them during the rest of the week, what good are we really doing? We're right back to short-term success because it's an amateur player and they have way too many other things that they have to learn or just even being able to have fun in a week. We can't expect them to be able to retain everything. And it's simply not fair to expect this of them. So we encourage both parents and our coaches to be learning with us in this process. They learn by being a part of our train, player training, but they can also come and do their own training separately through regular training sessions, individually, or as part of an association. We need you to fully understand our development program, mentally as well as having them do it physically. So that you know, or sorry, so that we know that you understand our program 100% in order to keep developing your child or players when we are not with them. Remember, our goal is to create sustainable success in every player we work with. We realize and embrace the fact that we aren't always going to be present to work with these players. So we need to embrace the fact that if we can teach the player, the parents, and the coaches how to train, and why certain areas, like pitching or throwing properly, are absolutely necessary, then we will create some sustainable experience for everyone involved. We don't look at it that you won't need us anymore if you feel like you've learned everything from us. We know that you'll be more, more than likely to come back and be a part of us because you're going to trust us 100% and continue to learn from us. We become like family and a part of your trusted network of people that I've spoken about before. And that happens with every human being and you need to build that network. And we're going to be a part of it. We always use the rope trainer as part of our throwing, pitching and catcher development programs because it's the right training aid to use. We use it to warm up players, coaches and parents. We use it to learn how to feel the difference between just using your arm or learning to use your entire body properly. We use it for simulated situational drills like bullpens, catcher's throw to the bases, etc. It's incredibly time-saving because we don't have to chase a ball around and we can get our reps in outdoors or indoors in confined spaces 
or where we don't have to be worried about a ball ricocheting off of walls and hitting someone. It's just an incredibly valuable training tool to have. Secondly, we also know that parents and coaches go to clinics all over to try and gain knowledge about certain areas of baseball to help them train their kids and players. There is tremendous knowledge given at these clinics. But again, it's not sustainable because there's so much information in such a short period of time that you'll never be able to understand it fully in regards to what the speaker was talking about or how to really be able to take it home and show your players properly. I hear or see parents or coaches do this all the time. They'll say, I went to this clinic and learned this, but then you ask them to explain it and they don't have a clue how to explain it or why it should be taught. It was just that this pro player or coach said they'd do it. So it must be right, or this guy is the best thing since sliced bread and everybody is using his method. First of all, the pros know what they're talking about in their own mind, but they don't have the time to explain it in detail to you. And secondly, the guy might be the best thing since sliced bread, but I guarantee you not everyone is using him for a variety of reasons. Don't get caught up in this because you will change your mind or training methods year after year and every time you go and see the next great thing at the next clinic. It has to make sense. You have to be comfortable with the person and the training methods and don't fall for the sales pitch people. Please recognize this. That's a red flag. If they're pushing it, it's a red flag. Just like investing money, make solid investments in who you trust with your training programs by doing your due diligence. Third and lastly, we realize that we can't get to all of you, but more and more we are getting inquiries about creating online training videos to be able to learn our programs. If this is something you would like us to create or know what you'd like us to create, please contact us with your thoughts at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. You can also call our office at 519-836-6369. We're very serious about this, just like everything else here at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. So let us know how we can continue to help you become the best Dirtbag Baseball player, parent, coach, or association possible. I really wish I had more time, Dirtbags, but unfortunately, I don't get any extra innings on the rope report. So, remember... One, please tell your friends, players, and teammates about Dirtbag Baseball Nation, the Rope Trainer, and the Rope Report on Youth Baseball Talk. Two, send your questions to us at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com or contact me by phone at 519-836-6369. Three, if you have the Rope Trainer already, I need you to send us a video or photo of you using it so we can post it on our social media pages. Four, To get your own rope trainer, I need you to go to www.dirtbagbaseballnation.com and then scroll down to the rope trainer. Click on it. Be sure to enter Dirtbag5 at checkout. That's Dirtbag5, the Dirtbag, the number 5 at checkout, so that we know you heard about it here on the Rope Report. Five, if you haven't already, I'm asking you to please go to at Nation on Facebook and Instagram, and like and follow us to keep up to date with us. Thanks as always for having me, Jim, and thanks to Earl and the team at The Rope Trainer. I'm Kirk McNabb of Dirtbag Baseball Nation, and until next week, cheer hard, play hard, 
coach hard, and let's get dirty. Great stuff as always from my man, Kurt McNabb. And as usual, um, you can find out a lot more at theropetrainer.com. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. I highly encourage you to check it out. Great stuff as always. And again, uh, one of the important things about it is, as people try to learn, you know, how to use the rope trainer, how to make sure it fits with what they're doing. Just check out Kurt McNabb and his Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Uh, they've 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 entrusted Kurt with trying to share with you the best ways to incorporate it into what you're doing. Again, really appreciate what he's doing and uh, always trying to learn. And Kurt McNabb does a great job of sharing that with us each and every week. Okay, let's go over to my friend and yours, as uh, as you hear him each and every week, Elite Baseball TV. Um, you know, Justin Stone does a great job with everything he does, whether it's offensively, defensively. Pitch, everything they do is, is top flight. What I'm really enjoying is that he seems to be attacking some of the things that we see every day that makes us go, hey, I got a question. So I'm really excited to hear what he's got for us this week. And, again, as we watch Major League Baseball and what's going on, as we watch our own kid as he tries to become the best player he can be, or even if it's at the lowest level, what I think we all wonder is, you know, the hitting. I mean, what's the story? Is it? Can you just teach somebody how to do it? Can you, the bottom line is I love his title this week. Hitting is hard. Let's go to Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv Training Tip of the Week. Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone here from EliteBaseball.tv. This week, the tip of the week, I'm going to kind of give you some insight to what I do with pro players when they come into me in the offseason. And it's neat to watch the playoffs right now, and you're probably watching with your son or daughter, players on your team. And sometimes these youth players that we deal with on an everyday basis look at a big league guy and they think of them as like these guys are aliens from another planet that they don't exist in everyday life and I think the story I'm going to tell you today will resonate with you of how hard it is to be a big leaguer the work that they put in to get there and how they're really no different than the nine and ten year olds that we work with on an everyday basis too with our youth team and in lessons for my case. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the player that I'm working with. He's a double-A guy. He's, he's on the fast track to the big leagues. In my mind, unless the injury, something freakish happens, this guy's going to be a big leaguer. And when he comes into me, I want to give him all of the answers for a holistic approach of an off-season plan and training. So what I do with these players is the first thing is I ask them for all of their game footage from when they were going well during the year to when they weren't going well. And I look at this and I try to find if there are any consistencies or inconsistencies of those two different areas. Going well, are they doing something different from when they weren't going well? I do a statistical analysis of just statistics that you can find online of what I'm looking for here is hard hit average. I'm looking for ground ball fly ball ratio. I'm looking for ISO power. I'm looking for strikeout to walk ratio in OPS. Basically what I'm seeing here how often are we hitting the ball hard in the air? One of the most important things I do with these players is have about an hour-long conversation, sometimes on the phone or via Skype, getting into their mental psyche. Just like the youth players that we have. We have players that excel in the cage, they get out to the game and they struggle. You've heard of a 5 o'clock hitter at the big league level that looks really good in BP and hitting balls out of the park and then struggles in the game and can't put it together. Reason why? There's some mental stressor. There's some mental aspect that I need to bring to the forefront of getting into these players' psyche. The same thing happens for our amateur players. If we can identify what the stressors of that player are and we can bring them to the limelight, oftentimes these things are subconscious. And once you identify them, you get them out into the open and you talk about it, I end up being like a psychiatrist more than I do a hitting coach. And sometimes that can just relieve that stress and anxiety right there 
that we can get back to a high performance level. It's one of the most important pieces of this holistic approach to training that I do. Finally, we get into the cage and we start looking at their statistical analysis from what they did in a game and we incorporate that to their mechanical approach. So now I'm seeing specifically what was their exit velocity on average, what was their launch angle on average, and that's more for me as a hitting coach to identify what they're doing well from a mechanical standpoint at the plate. In this case, it had identified a very important stat. He hits the ball hard. He has a 96 up to a 110 exit velocity. He's at or above the big league average for that. But to the pull side, he was negative 4 degrees in his launch angle. So right there, we have objective data that says something is going on on the inside pitch, and guys are exposing him there. Yeah, we can factor this into his approach, and he's always going to be stronger out over the plate like a lot of hitters are. But when we get to that inside pitch, we've identified a flaw that now I go to the 2D video, and I'll see if we can piece this together. And we did. Now, the point I'm going to make of this is we have players at the youth level that want immediate satisfaction in everything they do in a cage. Hitting lessons are often broken into half-hour segments. And in a half hour, you can scratch the surface on some mechanical adjustments, mental adjustments a player needs to make, but really what you're giving them is the tools to go out and work on it on their own. But we know that the level of frustration can come very early, very easy, and there's been many times we've all seen this as a coach where a kid gets into tears, he gets so upset. Those little crocodile tears come out because hitting is hard. And we understand this, but they don't realize it at the youth level because they want immediate satisfaction. You tell them to do something that you want them to change. And if they can't do it in their first three swings, they're frustrated. It's hard. And frankly, this is why we lose a lot of people to baseball, in baseball, because it's so difficult. So here's the point I'm making. When we got to the inside pitch with this guy that's going to be a big leaguer, and we were working on a specific mechanic of his torso getting into his front leg too much and too early, there was a couple different ways that we can attack this with hitters, and I've had this hitter for 10 years, so I knew the, the approach that we probably needed to take. But he struggled to feel it and do it because, like all mechanical adjustments, initially, it's foreign to them. He was so bad at this body mechanic initially that I took the bat away from him, I took the ball away from him, and I said, I want you to just feel your body as I, as I did these moves with him, I put my hands on his body and I moved his hips a certain way while putting pressure against his front foot against a wall to feel bracing and stability. This is the same thing I do with 10-year-olds. I get down on a knee, I put my hands on him, I move him around, I get him to feel things. And it was hard for a guy that's going to be in the big leagues. So the next time, and this is very powerful for me from a, from a lesson standpoint, I have a 13-year-old coming to the cage and he has crocodile tears in his eyes because he can't do something immediately that I know is really, really hard. And I say, I just had a pro player come in here that he was so bad at the mechanic you're trying to do that I took the bat and ball away from him and said, just do this with your body. And then he couldn't do it. So then I put my hands on him. I said, feel this with your body. Hitting is hard. Making mechanical adjustments is hard. And even though it might be a 30-minute lesson, I'm really looking three months down the road that I want you to be able to accomplish this. So the next time you watch these guys on TV and he strikes out 15 times in a series and he hits a home run, that home run is very satisfying because hitting is hard. And the big league guys that have gotten there, they've gotten there because they're driven, they realize it's a process, and they too at some point in their life have had crocodile tears. So keep that in mind. As we go through these off-season adjustments, you're going to go through periods that it's harder than others. Keep that positive reinforcement 
And think about that story right there of what I'm doing with a professional hitter right now. Well, for the next week, he's not going to have a bat in his hand as he figures out his body. Until next week, this is Justin Stone. Come check us out on EliteBaseball.tv where you can work just like I do with these professional players one-on-one -on -one with me remotely and digitally. That's how I spend most of my time during the season keeping my eye on my pro players and my college players. And now we can do it for you too, the amateur players. Check us out, EliteBaseball.tv, and we'll see you on the field. Awesome stuff, as always, from Justin, as I appreciate his contributions to the show. He's been with me almost since the very beginning. It was awful early when he jumped on, and I have no doubts that he has helped spread the message and has made youth baseball talk what it is today. Our friend Rick Strickland is still out of town. He's down in Jupiter, actually, with some guys from Elite Baseball at their invitation to the to the biggest uh, perfect game event they have. Uh, it's Again, uh, I encourage anybody, if you really want to know what's going on out there, man, Google Perfect Game Jupiter. Some of the photos from down there are amazing, all the golf carts behind here. These kids that are, you know, some of the best in the game and that have aspirations of doing things, it's so special to see these kids on the biggest stage doing what they love, trying to reach their goals and dreams. So um, he's down there this week, so uh, we should have Rick back with us starting next week. And, again, I know we're trying to change up his segment a little bit as I think some people were missing some of the, some of the hitting stuff he used to talk about on a weekly basis. So I think we're going to try to get back to that. But um, for all of our listeners, I really appreciate you guys. I could not do the show without you guys and your support. Uh, don't forget the best way to support us. Go to youthbaseballtalk.com. Hit that Amazon banner. Do your shopping through there. We get a very small referral fee if you do it. It doesn't cost you anything, and really it can help us keep the show on the air. So don't forget to do that for us. And Again, youthbaseballtalk.com is where you'll find this show, the back episodes. It's also where you can subscribe to the podcast, which is absolutely free. Find us on social media at Podcast Baseball or, of course, uh, Facebook at Youth Baseball Talk. Oh, we're on Instagram as well, too, Youth Baseball Talk. Find us there. Happy to have you a part of that as well. Um, special thanks to Brian Crock, my producer, Andrew Allen, the, the wonderful graphics guy that helps put the show together and keep us on point. Everybody at lineupmedia.fm, they take your entertainment time very seriously. Check them out. I guarantee you'll find another podcast you'll like. Uh, for everybody here at Youth Baseball Talk, I'm your host, Jim Cromer. We will see you on the field. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.